Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, my name is Wit Kanki Zuin, uh, and right now I'm an MC, a host of Vietnamese concerts, uh, television shows, talk shows. Uh, but in my previous life, I was a lawyer. Um, I am a mother still. I'm a business person and entrepreneur. So I'm like what you say, jack of all trades, but master of none. Oh, except for maybe master ceremony. Okay, <laughs> that one. I think I got it down. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly a hundred million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Thank you for that. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? I think it means that you still understand the culture. Um, not necessarily that you have to speak Vietnamese or that you have to live in Vietnam, but if you can understand the culture, you uh, you uh, things that are relevant to Vietnam or the Vietnamese community that you're concerned about it, uh, that you have uh, some understanding. Uh, and you live in the communities, you have a lot of Vietnamese friends. And, and I think that's what it means to be Vietnamese, just, just an awareness that I am Vietnamese. As the sort of the focal point, um, so many people know of the work that you do at Paris by Night and yeah. such a, you know, out front person. Does that uh, experience weigh down on your shoulders in terms of the way that you carry yourself in the real world or your, your uh, present life? Actually, I think people who've met me off the stage will say, hey, they're surprised. How come in, in outside real life, you're just exactly as you are on stage? Uh, and I think that maybe that contributes to um, the way I relate to people and people feel that they're closer to me. And therefore, you know, they, uh, it, I think it definitely contributes to part of my success as being an MC. And that is just being yourself. I started with very low expectation. My MC job was just a side job that I do to put me through law school. I never thought that I'm going to be a professional MC. I never put a lot of, and, and that's why I never put a lot of pressure on myself. This is a part-time job that I'm going to do until I finish law school. And hey, everybody knows that I don't speak Vietnamese very well, because when I first started out, I actually don't read and write in Vietnamese. And my mom used to write my script for me and it'll be like 30 pages long. And I have to memorize every word because I didn't have enough vocabulary to go off on my own to, to say whatever I want to say. So therefore coming from that mindset that, hey, of course, I, you know, I came to America when I was 10. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been, you know, through law school, like most of my friends are, are white and I, I don't speak a lot of Vietnamese, so I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. The job started out as a part-time job 
fun. It, it pays your school while you're going through college. And hey, you're not Vietnamese. So if you make a mistake on stage, who cares? Because at that time, most of my co-MCs are older gentlemen, Anh Nam Lộc, Anh Ngạc, who are so well-versed in Vietnamese that I put on their shoulder, hey, that's, those guys are supposed to be good, okay? I'm not. So if I mess up, it's okay. So, you know, yeah, that gives so us real life on stage, the same thing. That gives yeah. all the young um, people, all the gener generations after you, a lot of hope because a lot of us don't speak Vietnamese well. And we, you know, most of us, a lot of us are born here and our language skills sometimes are, are you know, really bad. And we want to learn and understand Vietnamese more. And sometimes it's hopeless. So to hear you say that, you know, it's really... Um, It, it, it's yeah i i didn't read i didn't write my wow. mom taught me at home um and and it, just another note i think as with anything that you approach in life if you approach it in a playful way that you're not so stressed out that the journey is actually better than the destination you'll have fun along the way and give yourself room to make mistake and be okay about it and i think that that somehow comes across because i've seen other M mc on stage and when they you know read something wrong they're like oh, you know they're so tense up and as an audience you feel like you, you tense along with them you know but for me if i inadvertently say something wrong i'm like i'm so sorry can we do it again and pretend that you haven't heard this and give me a clap okay and then <laughs> therefore you know they feel hey you know she's just like us and they yeah. would laugh for me when i asked for it yeah So when you were growing up, did you have a sense of who your mom and dad was? Oh, yes, of course. Um, in Vietnam, we lived on the air base in Sanyat. But I always remember my brothers would go to school in helicopters because uh, they're in boarding school. So every week, a helicopter would come take them. But I think, I'm, I think they were in Dallas. I'm not sure. Um, for myself, I would go to school always with a nanny and a bodyguard. In class, of course, they, they don't come in class with me, but they would stand outside. Um, I, I hardly ever get to go out of the house to play. Like we have a movie theater at home. So we would show movies at home and it would be a treat for me to go to a regular movie theater to see. Um, and in our house, we've always had mates and butler, like, like maybe 20 people and guards and you know three head chefs. So yes, I have an idea, idea. that I come from a different household. So, yeah. so the reverse is uh, another question that I might ask is, did you, were you aware that there was, you know, people on the outside of your lifestyle and your family's lifestyle that were living differently? Yes, I was because surrounding my house uh, for the air base are all the quarters of all the, either the, the soldiers or the, the people that are the air force people or the guards, you know, So because I don't get to go outside and play, I always hang around with the sons and daughters of all the soldiers that live right outside my house. So we would love to go to their house and we play things like, you know, uh, jump rope, nhảy dây, or, you know, bóng uh, chuyền, I don't know English, you know, the, the ball and the chopstick. Uh, so we play all hopscotch, all the kids game, but all my best friends are actually sons of, the the helps the 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 mates the butlers the soldiers the guards so i actually have very few friends that are 
of any, you know, the generals or, or, or the high society that my best friends are, and I would love to go to their house and eat. And all my brothers and sisters are the same. You know, my mom would have such a hard time. Here we are at our house with, you know, two or three head chefs. One would be for French dinner. One would be for Chinese. And my brothers would go over to play with his friends who are sons of like a soldier and wouldn't come home for dinner. So my mom had to bring them back and say, okay, tell me, what food are they serving that you want to eat? I'll make them. And mm. they'll come up with things like, can be, and you know, just very people's food, you know? Right. And not only can be have to be cooked right, but it has to be sliced right. Like my mom is like, they're, no, 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 they cut it sideways. We want it exactly, you know? So <laughs> can be, and sometimes they would want things like mum kho quẹt, which is just nước mắm, you know? So yeah, so we all grew up with our best friends like that. And, and we love it. So, yeah. And when you came to the United States, um, you were about 10 years old. And how yeah. were things different um, in terms of the way you saw the world? The one thing that I think that I was so lucky and luckier than my, my older brothers and sister is that I've never experienced, quote unquote, the high life. You know what I mean? Yes. As a, a nine, eight or nine years, like I said, you're playing hopscotch, you're running around the house. So I did not have that, that transition from, from going, like my brothers used to go, like when they go out, they're, they're in their 20s. Um, they were going to uh, boarding school in London, the same school that Prince Charles went through, you know, like really they learned to play polo and you know ride horses and uh, when it came to me none of those Nothing. stuff so I came here as a regular kid you know when I was 14 and a half I got my first job serving food at a food court in a wow. mall um, you know and I have no problem um, trend transitioning because there but I know um, a lot of uh, my uh, my mom told me about friends of you know uh, general hire up people who uh, you know, like they're already grown up so it's harder for them to come over here because I remember my mom's friend telling her oh my daughter she was washing the dishes and she was crying because wow. she's never had to do this you know so but for me it's, it's no problem so yeah well so you're really fortunate in that way I, yes right? I'm lucky right yeah you're really lucky you do it yeah so so you don't miss anything you don't miss oh my god I used to go and have four guards like bring suitcases of cash for me to you know uh yeah no, no i never had those so yeah so when your um siblings came to the u.s i mean did they have trouble transitioning well i don't know because you know i was too young to talk to them um i don't really know what what's going on in in in, in their mind uh, but you know they're they were guys like four brothers so with guys, they just try to hold, hold it in. in. They're not, yeah. yeah, so I wouldn't know anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's our, our culture, right? It's, uh, yeah. it's very yeah. difficult to communicate these uh, sort of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So many times, I think children of uh, publicly accomplished parents, they either go one way or the other. Um, they either push and try to follow in the footsteps of sort of like this accomplished uh, direction that their parents, or they just take a backseat and go the other way. Were you, what was the case with you? I was a very rebellious kid. 
I'm one of those, like, if you say no, I'll try it, right? So as you can see, I don't like anything having to do with politics. You know, my parents were doing it, but for all that they've done, I, I don't think, um, I don't think it was worth it. Um, it as, as proud as I am of them, after a while, especially for my mom, I felt that they, they're putting, they live in a gilded cage. You know what I mean? Yes. So I like do. my mom, she likes simple things like singing, you know, going dancing, but she could never do that. Right. Because it's like, oh, you're Madame Gay. You, you cannot do this. You cannot do that. So I think in a way I did rebel, meaning I grew going into entertainment was re rebellious. You know, when I first started out and I was singing and dancing with Win Hung and wearing all those like really, you know, sexy skirt, lower back and stuff, that was not considered good in my family, especially my dad and both my dad and my mom family are from the North and they're really strict. You know, they're, my, my dad is from Sun Tay, my mom is from Mạc Ninh and the culture, you know, it's like, you don't, you don't do entertainment. <laughs> that is like, nah, nah, you know. Uh, of course, I rebelled. I, I did entertainment. Uh, I rebelled by not marrying someone that my mom would think that I should marry. <laughs> We're not going to go into that. <laughs> but yeah, so um, and, and so here I am, you know. But, but ironically, sort of the years of progressing, the decades of the work that you do, you are kind of in the gilded cage, if you think about it, right? Because you represent this the, sort of the very ding dang um, form of the, the Vietnamese culture. Well, um, gilded cages, I don't know if the audience put me there, but I don't feel that I'm there, meaning I still do everything that I want. Um, as long as I only have two rules that I go by, as long as it's not something that I cannot sleep with, you know, like right. of, of my own, what I think is right. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone and I'm living by a certain moral code that I think we all innately have. Uh, if I if I satisfy those two things, I really don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I don't care, but I don't mind so much what the public thinks about me. So, for example, if I'm not happy in mar my marriage, I get a divorce. I can say, well, I have been divorced twice. Um, there's nothing that I feel that I should hide because right. I'm afraid that the public would say, oh yes or no, you know, or I mean, I've, uh, I've my, my, I'm dating a, a younger guy than me now. There's no problem with that, you know? So anything that I do that I think is not hurting anyone, I'm going to do it. I'm, you know, I'm going to dress a certain way. Maybe right now you see, I got butterflies in my hair and I was doing this and people might think, oh, you know, she's that, you know, how old is she and why she's wearing butterfly in her hair? Because I think it's good. You know, it's my daughter's butterfly clip. It's not, it's not being young or whatever. And if people say, oh, she's trying too hard to be young, I'm like, so? Nothing wrong not with that. If it's hurting you, yeah. you know, and it makes me happy, then in that sense, I don't think I, I live for the public. And I never go online to read anything about myself. No, any, any YouTube, even when my, my friend's sending me something, I don't Google my name, except when I, I'm trying to look for, for something that, right. you know, that, that I did, but not to read things uh, about what people say about uh, me. Yeah. I think yeah. the bigger you become, there's just so much room for people to write negative things. 
but you know, here's the thing: it's not whether uh, you're bigger or more famous. But I think this would work for everyone. Is when people say something bad about you, just know it's their opinion. Right. It doesn't mean that you're bad. So, for example, I'm sitting here looking at you. I said, Ken, I love your blonde hair. Or Ken, why did you dye your hair blonde? You know that your hair is not blonde, but you just laugh. Why would you let that affect you? It's just my opinion. It's a wrong opinion. Why would so? It's the same thing. Whether I say, Hey, Ken, I like your blonde. I don't like your blonde hair. Or Hey, Ken, you know, um, uh, I don't like your work. Or uh, I don't like the way you talk. Or I and and. Even when they go further, hey Ken, you're a cheater. Like, how do they know what's inside of you? So the idea is, you have to know what yes. you have inside. You have to know that, hey, I don't have long hair. You know, hey, my name is Zuin. It's not Lan. So if you call me Lan, you can call me all day. I know I'm not Lan. So what's the difference between that and hey, uh, Zuin? You know, you you sour well, you lie all the time. As long as I know I didn't lie, who cares what you think? So yeah, but the rough part is if mm. you're if you kind of doubt your work or you doubt yeah, your yeah. own integrity, and somebody yeah. calls you out, that is painful mm -hmm. to 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 to, and, and, to deal and with. And they say they say that when people get really pissed and they lose control and they scream and yell, that's because there is something a hint of truth that that they feel that they have to defend. Whereas if something that someone throws you a negative thing and you know that's for sure it's not true, then your right. attitude is, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But but I think that's the hard part. Like for me, uh, you know, if, if they're calling me out on my Vietnamese, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's a little bit cringy because, you know, that's the truth. But at the same time, if you know yourself and if you can accept that about yourself, then you can improve it or you can just accept it and move on. You know, your example of Vietnamese, I think that anything that they call you out, um, uh, on the outside, you know what I mean, can be improved. Whether, okay, Zun, you can right. be a better MC, you can be a better driver. Yes, it's the thing on the inside that they don't know, you know, like whether you have integrity, uh, you know, whether you have certain moral, torp uh, you know, moral, what's the word I'm trying to, torpitude, <laughs> this one happens when you speak Vietnamese and English. To be Vietnamese also to me means to be, Half thick, uh, right? <laughs> half fatty and half, uh, you know. Sometimes I just blank out. I can't think. Moral turpitude, right? There's the yes. word. Sometimes I, I, I can't think of the words I'm trying to say in English. <laughs> so when you were um, in high school, did you sort of gravitate towards Vietnamese people? Did you hang out with a lot of them, or did you have like a mixed bag of friends? Uh, I went to Marina High School, and it's in Huntington Beach, and a lot of rich kids go there. I mean, they would, kids would go there, you mean 20 years ago in Lacoste shirt, you know, on the tennis team dress. Yes. I was never part of that clique group. I always had Vietnamese friends and not only Vietnamese friends, the nerdy Vietnamese friends, not the one that are, uh, you know, in a um, student, uh, what, uh, VHS student, Vietnamese student something, or the ones that uh, have all these activities. I was just two or three nerdy friends uh, stick together studying and um, and that's it yeah never gotten involved in well i was on the tennis team on the in the sport way but never got involved as far as organizing anything you know be the spokesperson for this or that no but but in that was in high school but was that the same in college 
yeah. College, I got through college. <laughs> Just because my boyfriend went there and I wanted to be with him and that's how I picked my school. I'm sorry to say, didn't put much thought into it. Except, yeah. So of course, when I'm there, because I'm with my boyfriend and didn't want mom to know that I have a boyfriend, I shy away from any activities wow. that would, you know, oh, mom, I don't want mom to look through it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and what did very, you end up? Very rebellious, right? I told you, right? But quiet, you're a quiet, rebellious person. Like you're under yes. undercover rebellious. What, what did you yes, end up yes. studying at, in college? Uh, in college was international marketing um, management. Uh, and then in law school, it's uh, law with uh, emphasis on taxation. These things have nothing to do with entertainment. <laughs> uh, yes, no. Well, except I can write out my own contract. When people <laughs> contract me to do something, I can write it out. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big that's a big deal. But I mean, I can argue. I, you know, I I say that jokingly, but at the same time, I mean, if we really think about it, the the training from you know going through the LSAT, um, you went through the LSAT, right? At the time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going through the LSAT, the critical thinking, the the back and forth, and the debates and inside of a classroom, all of these things probably sharpened your wit when you are on stage dealing with somebody like uh, Angan, right? I think so. Um, no, I think it sharpened my uh, logical thinking. thinking. And I was able, um, as an MC, to distill a, a bunch of information down to something very easy to understand. Like when I go MC an event, let's say for a company, they would give me like two pages about their company, their missions and what they want to do. And those are kind of things that when you step out, you have to introduce about the company. And rather than, you know, just reading off uh, the script. And, and that's what happens to a lot of MC in Vietnam right now. They, they, they get to the event like about half an hour early because they're professional. Um, they're giving a script. And of course, they're, they're reading from the script. So with me, I would meet up with the organizer like a week ahead. Oh, wow. I would sit down and I would listen to them. I, I don't want the script that you've written to me. Why don't you talk to me? What is your company about? Well, what do you hope to do for the next five or six years? Um, what is your mission? Is it to make money? You know. And when I talk to them, it's like, okay, now I have a friend. Now when I go on stage with what they've given me, I can distill it out put it in very simple term and just retelling the audience as if I'm making an introduction of something I'm so familiar with, you know, like, Hey, you know, this is Ken. He has his podcast before he was so, it, yeah. So, and it's I more organic. Logic, yeah. And that logical uh, training uh, thinking from law school, like cut through everything and get to the issue. What is the issue? Right. I think that helps me a lot. So let's take it back to the origin story. I can't imagine your mother, your father at the time, you know, finishing up law school and saying, you know, I want to go out and get into the entertainment business. I mean, is this something that even mattered to them? Or did you kind of like, once you graduated, you're done? Okay. So my mom uh, had this one thing that she always requests of me. And she always say that, you know, um, I only have you. Well, I have brothers and sister, but biologically, uh, my mom only had me. So from the second marriage, but she raised all of us together in one household since my sister was only like two years old. So we, we grew up, there was no distinction between which mom and which mom. 
But anyway, sometimes my mom would tell me, well, you know, I, I only have you. And the only thing I ever ask of you in terms of, uh, like, so for you to be a lawyer. And why? She said, because we're in America and America is the land of law and you're a girl. So physically, you're not going to be able to defend yourself if someone to attack you. But if you know the law, then you can defend yourself. Because she said, um, in America, you know, the worst thing you can say to someone is, I'll sue you. <laughs> so she wanted to make sure that I can defend myself. So I didn't want to go, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But um, so I used that as a bargaining chip to her. I said, okay, uh, you know, like you said, my mom always wanted to put me in that gilded cage also, you know, wanted me to hang out with certain groups of friends, to marry the type of man that she thinks, to go to the school that she thinks. So I said, okay, everything you've taught me, you keep pushing me. If I become a lawyer, now I'm free, right? Now I can hang out with whoever I want. I can marry whoever I want. I can do any career I want. So just because I, I, I'm a lawyer doesn't mean I have to practice law, right? Because you said this is only for me to protect myself. Wow. And she said, yes. So guess what? <laughs> I just remember like throughout law school, I mean, the thing that I was driving for is my, I'm going to get my law degree. And you know, my mom, <laughs> she's going to be so proud. She's going to celebrate to show off, you know? Exactly what my daughters told me. Mom, don't show us off. Don't put our picture on Facebook, you know? So I said, you know, the pleasure is I'm going to take out my certificate and tear it, tear it, tear it. <laughs> so many years, just so, the, just so I can say I'm a lawyer, just because I'm your daughter, then I have to be a lawyer. It's Vietnamese, right? Doctor, lawyers, or engineer, that's it. And, and this is just, you know, so I was just, you know, I did it for the rage and so that I have a chance to rebel. Fast forward, now my mom has passed away. 40 years later, I'm like, mom, you're so right. <laughs> oh, you're wow. so right. Meaning that even though it's different when I go into entertainment, if, I, if I'm not a lawyer, because I, I am a lawyer, I, I know that in the back of my mind, I always have my law license. I mean, it's still there. You can check me out on the, on the law website. Um, it's just inactive because I haven't practiced. So if I want to practice, I pay insurance, I take continuing education, boom, I can practice again. So that knowledge gives me the um, confidence to say, hey, you know, I'll try entertaining. If it, if it never worked no. out, I, I have this, I have this. Um, and, and also, I think in the Vietnamese audience, um, the way they look at me, because Vietnamese people, we really respect, um, you know, scholars, right? Even more than we respect rich people. Right. You know, Vietnamese, we have two terms. We can go, like mm. the nouveau rich, right? But you can say, your teacher is always and I've right. met people who have reunion with the yeah, right? The teachers that are like 20, 40 years ago and the students are now so successful, so much richer or whatever. But when they see Anh they always say It's the same respect. So therefore, I think because I, uh, I you know, I, I went through all that, like pay my dues uh, education-wise, that I think when I stand on stage, I do felt that bit of 
you know, I, I don't know if it's like respect, but what I say has more weight Gr- right. than it's had gravity. I not gone through that. Yeah, yeah. So that's, and then it helps me in every area in life, even though I, I don't practice law from everything, from buying a house to starting a business to talking with, with people. Uh, like I said, I, I'm also an entrepreneur to know the law when we start the business, how the taxation is going to be. Boom, 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 boom. It, it's very detailed. And that all has helped me in, 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 in my relationship, even personal relationship, the way I structure everything so that when we do have a breakup, nobody has to go to court. I'm not saying like have to sign a document, but yeah, we sign everything. Everything is clear. Should we break up? Boom, it's there. And we don't have to fight over anything. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, this same philosophy of um, um, your, mom, your mom and you sort of have met somehow in the middle. Now, when you are a parent now and your mm-hmm. young uh, children are coming up and you sort of have to form this third culture of, relaying to them the strategy of the old country and the new way to do things. How did you formulate that with your family? You know, if we think about it, part of what what makes us who we are is how we inherit things from our parents, right? Like you say, right? Um, someone like, um, I know, um, who's a, a, a musician, he is very devoted to his wife. He's a one man, one woman. It's because his father was a womanizer, you know, so they go the other way. For me, what I I gave my kid is precisely, you're not in a gilded cage. Live for yourself. Don't care too much about, you know, the public. As long as you're happy, it's okay. You know, I have one daughter who, who is now in law school in England, and she's, she's very, happy she wants to go there i have one daughter who um wants to go and be a professional chef so uh she had two years of college then say mom you know studying words is not for me i want to go to chef school so yeah i put her through that now she's working as one of the chef as one of uh, the most um famous and the hottest restaurant right now it's called nip so she's so happy and to me both Mm -hmm. daughters have the same worth the one who's going to school in, in England now to be a lawyer because she wants to. And I'm proud of them the same. And as long as they're happy and they don't have to do anything for mom or, you know, you know I never talk about them because I talk, mom, you're showing off about us. So I hope they don't hear this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes I think young people in their mind, they can fund it. They can differentiate if the parents are doing it out of their, the parents' ego right. or true care. Right. right we we right, know right. as young, you know, as, uh, as, as little kids, we know like, mm. wait, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. You're making me do this because you just want to show your it's for friends. you, yeah. So you yeah. can be proud, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a sort of distinction, I think, that uh, the people that grow up in the United States or people, even of my mom's generation, who who sort of can get it quickly, understand that you know you got to move the ego, brush it aside, and then really go right. into the today, the pr- practical side of, of of raising kids in in the new world. Right. Yeah, I think as long as they're happy and like, I guess the only thing that I am, I try to instill in them. And another thing that I've learned, 
uh, kids learn by observing you, and it's it's like osmosis. Not tamma. Right. They don't learn by you sitting down and lecturing them. If you sit down and you lecture them, but but they see and they sense that you're doing things different, they're not gonna know. You know, like my uh, my two girls that they might, they're rebellious against me. You know, but I see them when they're with other people and I'm not there. The thinking, the way they act, is very much like me. And I have wow. my friends say, "Oh, trời con chị dễ thương quá," you know, things like that. Uh, so I think they learn by yeah. Yeah, yeah, just 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 being in the family, um, like you say, uh, people will say, "Oh, I have a very soft-spoken voice." It's because my mom speaks to right. me like that. She has never yelled at me, despite you know, even when we're in conflict. You know, when I was uh, in my early twenties, you know, we were in conflict, and she says, "Why don't you move out of the house?" But in a nice way, like, "Okay, that is what I con mẹ muốn như vậy. That's what I want." But if you don't agree with me, then you know you you're free to move out. And I'm like, that So yes, mom, uh, if you say that, I would like to move out. And that's the extent of our conflict. <laughs> that's not typical in Vietnamese culture. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you so, that. Yeah. So 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 now I cannot raise my voice. If I'm talking with someone and they're pissed and they start yelling, I would just be quiet and I say, you know what? I'm gonna walk away. We talk about this later because I I can't yell back. Right. That's the well. Let can, can we talk about your mom and dad a little bit because uh, mm-hmm. you know people in my generation we we've often read about uh, your parents we've we've mm. from a distance we've heard of it from our parents but mm. can you tell me your point of view and how you experienced your mom and how you experienced your own father. Well, from what my mom told me, uh, obviously I was not around there. Their love story is the stuff that can be written into the most beautiful novels, right? How, um, so she met him, she was an airline stewardess, Vietnam Airlines. But at that time, you know, being a stewardess, Otez de l'air is very prestigious. You have to be beautiful. You have to be a certain height, a certain weight. You have to speak, you know, French and English. So it's it's very prestigious. It's not just a wait a waitress in the air. Right. So um, one of my dad's underling uh, was harassing her. He was really smitten by her. But the way he approached her, he kept, you know, all the time to a point where it becomes an harassment. So on one flight. My mom met my dad. Uh, he was traveling on the civilian airplane at that time. And so she just walked straight up to him and says, General, can I have a word with you? Wow. You know, your underling, so-and-so-and-so has just been bothering me. You know, he's he's courting me, but um, I, I already said no, but he's just doing this, 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 this. So uh, sure enough, to make a long story short, my dad intervened. And one of the best way to get this guy off of hotel is for my dad to marry her. <laughs> so did this courting happen just on one flight with this underling? No, or? no, no, no. This is the first story of the courting oh. happens. You know, you've all heard story about, um, oh, for, for example, my mom told me that she, when he was courting her, she would be flying uh, Vietnam Airlines Boeing uh, to Hong Kong. He would fly his fighter jet. I, I, I don't know if it's F-14. I'm not really good, but whatever they had that time. 
uh, fly his fighter jet escorting her. And he would fly so close to the, the, the real plane that the tips of the wing are only like this wow. much apart, which is very dangerous because, you know, you know, now that I know, right, any turbulence or anything, boom, to the point that her pilot would say, my, please come up here and wave him. So send him off. Wow. It's very dangerous. My mom, but my mom, so she, so she come and she waves and he waves back and then he would do the flip on the plane, flip, flip, boom. And then he, he, he would go home. Now, that was the story we all knew, but it wasn't until um, a, a, just, I think, a couple of years ago that I was talking to his co-pilot uh, who was in that. He said this, you know, you did not know this. Um, everybody know that, you know, that, that saga, but you did not know that when your mom's plane took off, your dad j uh, ran out to the, um, the tarmac. The plane that he usually flew is not there. Whatever there was, a, the brand new plane that the American just came, a brand new plane, no one's ever tried it out. He said, this is the only, let's get on that. And while he was flying, I was opening the manual book. You know, oh sitting God, on the wow. side, opening the manual book, saying, duh, 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 you know, and he did all that. But on the landing, it was boom, 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 boom. And just <laughs> like that, he's going to go after, fly this jet for the first time. And I was hurrying up you know, uh, to sit, not, I think not side by side, but, you know, one in the front and one in the back, they have like this way. And he was going through the manual and telling my dad what to do. So that was that story. So that was just one, one saga. You know, you know, the rest is just incredible. Yeah. How did your mom get the sort of the training, the pedigree to speak the languages or to carry herself the way she did? I think, first of all, that is a natural, uh, a natural thing she has. And also because um, I, I've got to give it to her. She's, constantly learning and striving to make herself better my uh, my grandma was a widow uh, my grandma grew up not uh, like at her time she, she's not even sent to school okay so she used to um wash the yeah the mat by the by the river and she was so poor that at, at times she just wanted to jump down the river wow. and commit so that's my grandma so my grandpa was assassinated during the french revolution uh, or, or the vietnamese french war or something I, I don't know much like i don't know vietnamese history because i never study it but then my grandma was a widow so she and an, uh, another grandma because my grandpa has two wives, but during that time they lived together like sister, big wow. sister, and older sister. And as a matter of fact, the the second wife, my my grandma is the one who married her for my dad, because uh, my grandma has a best friend. Both of them are in the the war against the uh, the French. French. Both of them got assassinated. The wife of the best friend. Um, got uh, assassinated first. So my grandpa came <sighs> down to see her and my grandma said, now that she's alone, well, Bring you gotta in. marry her back, right? So they marry her. And so after my grandfather died, the two ladies were only in their thirties, like early thirties. <sighs> they lived together, raised four children and took their life until they died. 
So, you know, they're poor, they don't speak the language, but from, but my grandma had this thing because at the time, uh, my grandma was buying salt, salt, right? She's, and whenever she goes over these uh, check posts, because the other cart, they have people who can speak French or something like that, they were able to go over, but my grandma cannot speak French. So sometime in the rain and they have to use stick to stick in there to see what's in this cart, blah, blah and all the salt pure pour out and she was lose her all whole day of whatever so she promised herself that i cannot read i cannot write but all my children will read and write french and english and whatever so she sent my mom and you know my uncle to the best school you know but here's another story also my mom when she was in lycée yatsin uh, in dalat was one of the prettiest girl on campus Mm, and Liste right. Yaksan is a rich school. She said she had friends who are driven to school by chauffeur who would come in in designer clothes because it's you know it's it's one of the uh, the best school. My mom, my grandma sent mommy to a French school with a French name Isabel, but insists the whole school year she only has two outside. Poor, two outside, two pants. Not every day while well, all the other kids were like in designer clothes. And, and my mom said that her house was so poor that one time she was driving her bicycle up this hill. And every day is like, you know, bicycle to school, like so many kilometers, you know. And her outside got caught in the wheel wow. and, and she fell and the outside got torn and she was scratched all it from body to here. She remember, uh, you know, driving, you know, home and crying. And, coming into the house and guess what grandma slapped her one oh, more God. because how dare you rip the outside wow. you only have two and now i have to spend for your outside so so my mom grew up in that environment and can you believe that uh, in her uh, 1920 like french school english like got um have to go through a lot of interviews and uh almost like uh, casting, auditioning to get to the stewardess. And by the time she married my dad and she had me, she was only 23 years old, 23 years old. And you, when now you see pictures of her, like when she's walking out, waving people, being this like first lady, 23 years old, self-taught everything. Even she learned how to cook when they were in um, Paris. She went and... Um, um, at the Sorbonne, um, so so it's not that she takes a class, but you know how you can go in and watch and learn that you yeah, can audit. Learn. You can yeah. audit the oh, class. Yeah, 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 audit. Yeah, that's one thing. So learn from the Sorbonne and learn to cook all these French dishes. So when we're at home and every time we throw these parties for like these state dinners for like twenty or thirty, we have all these dignitaries, all these important people over at the palace, the house. So she would like be in charge of of these. A chef who can cook French food and stuff and know how to set the table, know all the protocol, know just everything that, that, that you know, she's taught me and all self-taught. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a, a drive, a, a motivation, a self-taught um, to better yourself. And yeah. Okay. So I bring this up a lot and mm. this is sort of a topic, a theme that I, I, I talk about a lot because I, I feel like, um, 
you and I are generation when we, or now we talk about your mother's generation, my mother's generation, much older, the struggles have transformed the way that they taught us. And we have inherited this beautiful story of struggle, the stories of struggle, and we are transformed and hardened and things, beautiful things have come out of the struggle. Now, our children probably won't have that advantage almost. Um, but, you know, is it is it something that is worthy um, of, of, you know, accepting not the struggle or not having the struggle? Is it something that we're okay with? I mean, if you had a choice, would you rather them have the struggles that we as the older generation have gone through? Or would you just rather have them have a, a just a, a normal good life? I think as every parent, right, we want our kids to have a normal good life. But here's the thing, they will struggle. I think every diff- every generation has a different type of struggling. Maybe they might not struggle the things that we struggle, but something else, right? I mean, um, like, you know, my parents, I don't, I, I don't remember uh, the things that they go through to bring me here, you know, the uh, starting all over in a new place without, um, you know, the, the language, the money going through the, the refugee stage, right? But now we have different struggles that our parents don't have, right? So I'm sure our kids will have. And, you know, like, for example, which kid can afford a house now in California? Yeah, that's a big college, struggle. Right? Uh, a struggle with social media, social bullying, with the different kind of pressure that uh, that's going to come. And the sad thing is, as parents, we might not have the skills to help them in right. their world because we don't do that. You know, my kids get on TikTok, they're, they're doing things that I, I don't even know. And, you know, you know, they're cyber bullied. We don't know how kids can get together and do things, but I am sure they will struggle because I believe that um, life is, is part of life is struggling for us to learn. I, overall, yes. I believe that life is good. But I, I do believe that the struggles are there for us to appreciate when it's good. You know, I am, for example, I was playing this game, um, Candy Burst or something, right? So I, I, I played the game and there's this time that you, you can do so much like in one minute, right? So I'm like, I get so stressed out. Oh my God, one minute. Set. And then I set on the mode that the other mode is called relax mode. That mode, you can take your time. You can play, but you never die. And you know what? After a while, I got so bored, bored. of the never die mode. Like, what's fun in playing this? So I go back to there to get stressed out. But I also know as I'm stressing out, like, this is only a game. You know? So that is how I think life is. There must be struggle. There must be hardship. So it's fun, but at the same time, also know that you're going to be okay because maybe we're living in a simulation. Who knows? Or maybe this is all the game. Maybe I'll wake up metric style, right? So who knows? Yeah. You, um, was it a struggle for you when you first started uh, to go out and MC? The origin story is that I had a photography studio, um, you know, And and this is not false modesty or something, right? Um, I I don't know how people perceive me, but every time someone said, oh, you're so pretty, Junior, 
I, I, I'm a bit taken back because I never grew up thinking I'm pretty um, because my mom is so beautiful, you know, right. and then everyone always said, oh, you look like your dad. So what do you think? You know, <laughs> and, you know, in, in, in Vietnam, we're done as that then. And for the uh, dark skin, for the longest time, I would have no teeth, you know, because all my, you know, all my tooth are just gone because, you know, anyway. So I grew up thinking, oh, I'm not pretty, right? So I never get involved in something that needs beauty. So I never want to become a model. I never uh, want to be a, a, a enter any pageant. But I photography is, is fun. So I started taking pictures. I have my own photography studio. And I know a lot of uh, models. And these are not necessarily models, but college students, right, who want to have a headshot. They want so I started doing that. And then one day I got a call from this nightclub, like at that time, just small Vietnamese nightclub. I don't remember, like Majestic or you Ritz. mentioned Diamond. Ritz, Diamond like Ritz. That. Yeah, yeah. They said, well, why don't you come and put on a fashion show for us? Now the fashion show is just for fun to bring in, in a customer. It's not like we're not professional. We're not selling clothes. We're not wearing any designer. Right. But they want to have a few beautiful girls on stage walking around. So then I gather my models, I bring them there. And because I'm now like the, the head of the team, right? They're, while they're walking on the stage, I'm standing behind the stage with the name card. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, Miss Tran, you know, how many, da, 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 and just wow. reading that. And some of the models, like I say, they're just college students too. So when Long Beach start having um, beauty pageants, uh, and uh, Anh Nam Lok was the host and they're looking for a female. Some of the girls recommended me. Oh, she's doing this. I work with her. She's an MC, but I wasn't really an MC. I was like behind the stage, you know, but I've done enough shows that they okay. So, but it has always been, um, yeah. So that's how I got on stage and that's how my, uh, my MC career got started. But your Vietnamese at the time wasn't developed yet, right? It was just basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very easy. It was Vietnamese, you know, like, Thưa quý vị, người mẫu kế tiếp à, tên Quỳnh Thị Thu Trang à, năm nay đang học ở Long Beach và cô đang học về... So just like that. And I'm reading everything. Mm. So how hard can that be? You right. Know, that the extent of my MC. Là, Xin kính chào quý vị. And that's why now when, when I do the... Um, uh, when I chọc uh, phá and the, you know, I, I, I joke around and I copy some of the, uh, the, the youngest kids uh, kids who can't speak Vietnamese, that's because now when I MC pageants now, for the younger uh, generation, like 18, 19, when I ask them uh, something in Vietnamese, of course, they, they and, and I pick up the accent. So for example, you know, um, uh, well, well, uh, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? In Vietnamese, they say, uh, con nghĩ là, mai mốt con lớn lên thì con nghĩ là con muốn làm so I pick up that. But here's the thing. It's not because they're not intelligent. When I see them struggling like that, I say, okay, uh, if you want your mom, oh, yes, well, when I grow up, I want to travel because I think it's so they're very intelligent. But when in Vietnamese, they just can't express it right. right. So I think, so I was one of those when I first started out. So I totally, yeah. Okay, so what what does it take a human being to go from that to really world class in the way that you MC? Because it's the ideas that come from 
I mean, language is a, a portal so we can understand thoughts and, and, and concepts. But if you are limited, you know, when you first start out and then, you know, a few decades later, you are really at the top of the game for the whole world to see it's on display. How do you what kind of work is entailed in getting to that point? Um, I think uh, if you've read uh, Malcolm's book, uh, is it, is it, Outliers. Is it the, tipping, uh, the Tipping Outliers? Point. Yeah, 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 or something. I've read all his books. It says that if you do something over and over for 10,000 hours, you'll be good at it. And I, was I, was, I read that and I was timing like how many shows I do a week, how many years I've done it. Mm. Right about there. Uh, he, he is right. He's got his research done. About 10, like, for example, people could ask you, you know, you're doing your podcast, you know, how do you come up with a question, the interview? But if you count back, you know, you're very good now, but if you've done 10,000 hours, you will be, you know, uh, up there with Oprah, you know? <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> and and, and, and the, another thing is, um, as an MC, people always think that, oh, you learn your lines, you learn to carry yourself, you learn, that's, all that to me is not important. The most important thing is you have to have knowledge in your head. So why someone can uh, seem spontaneous, it's like, okay, you pick up something, you've read about certain subjects, okay, then you can carry on, you have expert uh, opinion that's in your head. So I, I read so much about anything. And even now when I don't read, I'm listening to audiobooks, YouTube, when I'm driving, Every day, I just have to have a thirst of knowledge. Every day, I have to have something new that's going to, even for nothing, but just for the pure enjoyment of it. And then, boom, a conversation comes up. I'm there. For example, you asked me, uh, what have I been uh, listening to this morning? Actually, about quantum physics and the double slit experience and how energy. So it's got nothing to do with, right. but I'm just interested. I'm not going to be a physicist, but I'm interested. I'm Curious. interested in, yeah, like uh, the, 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 the horoscope that they just sent out to space, you know, the one that's going to go by the sun. So just, just general knowledge, but in everything. Yeah. So that's the, really the key. That's the key that's is to key. have this curious key. mind. Well, unless you're like your curious mind, so you can conduct interview. But let's say if you're an American MC you might have 10 staff writers for you. It's easier. Vietnamese MC, I don't think any of us have staff, staff writers. writers. So therefore, you have, to, you have to just put knowledge into your head, file it away, don't know where you might need it, you know, or yeah, something like, um, also this morning, I just learned that when a man gets really mad and he scream and yell, it's not because his testosterone level was high, but at that time, it's his estrogen level that's high that's why he scream and yell and can't control and it behaving like a woman that's why vietnamese says, you behaving like a woman that is because the estrogen level is up so people always think testosterone is you're aggressive not true you're only aggressive to defend fight and stuff but when you're a real man you're calm and you let your woman have the the, you know, the, the, the woman's moment. So yeah, things like that. I don't know when I'm going to need it, but it's in my head. Oh my God. That's a whole yeah. nother episode right there. <laughs> that estrogen conversation. That's very, yeah. uh, uh, 
<laughs> highly um, igniting uh, controversy. I mean, especially as it relates to Vietnamese men, you know, mm-hmm. our behaviors of, because um, I'm the same way. I'm just like my father. You know, we forget that we need to be able to explain something in a very calm way for somebody to, our children, our wife to listen, our mothers to well, um, so that I, I listened. I've been listening to John Gray, the the man who wrote *Man's of a Martin*, and he says right away, he said, "The foolish thing you can do is raise your voice yeah. when someone is trying to listen to you, because when you're raising your voice, you're saying you're not listening to me, so I'm not going to talk louder. Make sure you listen to me." On the other hand, hey, I am trying to listen to you, and you're telling that I'm not listening to you, so why should I bother? And um, he even said that it's very antagonizing yeah. because when a man yell, a woman will take it as an act of violence. Yes. And, and I used to think it's just me. Well, am I being too difficult? Um, you know, I've, I've been in conflicts where my partner would actually raise his voice at me, but I knew he would never hit me for sure. And I'm thinking, well, is that okay? Now I know it's not okay. Mm-hmm. That I'm not being said. Other women are reporting that when a man yells at you, that is an act of violence. And unlike physical abuse, mental abuse is so deep. Like you can say sorry, but the words that you say are cutting and it hurts. So, and also because a man is so much bigger than a woman that when he's sitting there like yelling at the top of his voice, he does scare the woman. So just be mindful of that, you know? Um, yeah, so those are the kinds of things that I learned to better my own relationship first. Yeah. And almost you can argue that when somebody hits you, it's just very, it's superficial, uh, you know, um, but when somebody's yelling at you over and over and over, you're, it's actually entering into your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? so yeah, yeah. So yeah, those are the things that I, you know, just read randomly every day. Yeah. And I think being on a stage and being next to somebody like Angan is a, mm. a, a muscle building uh, yes, yes, exercise yes. With, with somebody like that. Yeah, and I'm so lucky because he is a professor, a teacher, so he explains everything so clearly, concise, and logically. And I, I have to say, everything I learned about Vietnamese history, From I've him. learned growing up through Tuinga and through uh, Anya, because Tuinga would have to pick a certain song. And then Anya would explain to me, why was this song there? What does it mean? You know, and yeah. And so both of that combined, I think I've learned um, my most of my Vietnamese heritage. And like you say, what it means to be Vietnamese, I've learned from being in Paris by night and through Anya and my mom. You know, can I, I don't know if you can answer this. Um, mm. But I, um, I've been following his career, and I know that it's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you replace somebody like that? I think it's hard. I think it's hard. Um, but um, if you don't try to replace, but you try to find someone new, mm-hmm. like just a new MC, and, and that person has to develop whatever that's going to attract the audience on his own. Let's say Enyat, his is this professor, this, this, this head of knowledge, this life encyclopedia, you know, and that is what attracts the audience. Now, if you try to be like Enyat or be like Kizuin, that's, that's a thing already. Right. But if you 
have something on your own, like I see like a Ryan Seacrest, very different from my nan, right? But right. an outgoing young bubble. So, Bubbly. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think uh, it's if you say to replace him, I say never or to replace anyone, but you can have a different version that is just equally nice, but in a different direction. And can we talk about any potential? Is there um, somebody that uh, the company has in mind? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, as for me, it's not just the potential. Definitely, I have never felt the chemistry with anyone that I've co-emceed uh, than with Enyan. There's also that chemistry, yeah. you know, that because he's like the big brother, the, the little sister. Things he can say to me, like let's say if I'm standing with um, a co-MC that's around my age, then, then that person have to be a bit more galang and gentleman and can't say things in my face. It might seem too harsh. But Anyan can say it as an older brother. And people can say, right. oh, we're just kidding, poking each other. Mm -hmm. He didn't mean that. And the audience laugh without feeling like, any mean and intention from both of us. Like even he said, oh, I'm you know, things we can say to each other, but people know that we don't mean it. Now, right. I, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see who Tinya will marry me off tonight. Right. <laughs> that is such a, a, a nerve wracking thought uh, if I was in your shoes. Yeah, I, I would be it. afraid to change, you know, for me, if I was sort of, quote unquote, married to somebody on stage for all those years to find a new partner to dance with, that would be a very, um, be because, I mean, your job and your, the performance really does rely on this dance partner that you have on, that you've been working well, with. Well, uh, to me, of course, I wish to stay with that partner for forever, but should it, something not happen? Then yeah. I'm looking forward to like, oh, I don't know what's next. You know, I I like changes. I like the unknown. I like the next day to sort of be like a present. Right. Like it will be boring if we know it's gonna be exactly like yesterday, the day before, the day before. So yeah, go with the flow. Sure, you love what you have, but if one day you lose it, whatever it is, whether it's a partner, whether it's your youth, whether, you know, I'm, I'm getting to that age. I'm in my mid fifties, you know, so it's okay. It's okay to grow old. It's okay to get wrinkles. It's okay to accept one day. You're not going to be on stage anymore, right. but you're going to do other things. And it might be nice not to have to worry about, Oh, you know, staying in shape and, you know, doing all these things. So I think change is good. Yeah. Was there ever a time, um, in your work on stage that it went pretty bad or horribly bad? Uh, the, the, well, I don't know. If you, maybe it's me. I mean, there were times when they were shooting in the audience, you know, uh, <laughs> we were in Long Beach and, and this guy fell from the second floor, which is like way up on the last floor on the second floor. And he fell down to hit the people on the first floor. Oh my God. So, um, yeah, I mean, little things like that. You know, there are a lot of times where we're on show and we, at the end of the show and uh, we don't get paid and we turn around and the promoters already, you know, skip the place. You know, I was in this one show, I was talking, I was like, boop, you know, they turn off the sound because they said, you know, uh, the promoters did not pay us for the sound yet. So we're going to turn it off. 
and I come back and say no one's getting paid because the promoter just took off. Oh my God. I mean, things like that. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, just, just, um, I was in a show in, um, uh, Holland or, or it's in Europe, I'm not really sure, but it's the first show Anyat and I were over there. So many people showed up that they fought each other. It was like a mad scene. They Holy fought cow. each other to scrambling over tables and stuff. They broke in through all the doors around the stadium and just shoved in there to the point where what is equivalent of a national guard has to be called. So over there, there's like a lot of gangsters. So that was like, they sent in like 400 national guards with rifles fighting with all the audience, you know? I remember I was standing on stage, boom, boom, boom. The, the two national guards came on stage. And at that time we were traveling with our own security. So there was two security, this was these big German guys. We're, and, Luckily for them, when they, whenever they go somewhere, they would case out the joint to see like where's the right. best. And these German guys are also from the military background, and that they they came as our uh, like our personal security guard for the whole you know the whole tour. singers and mm -hmm. yeah tours because we're going nine cities, so we're sitting there. They shove us into this this closet or something. And I remember Tommy Ngo, you know how big Tommy Ngo is? He was walking behind waiting for Linda or something. Linda's always late. One guy grabbed him like this, like boom, shove him in the, and close the door, but boom. We just hear people say, and when we, it's done, the whole auditorium, and it's a big one, not, it's a professional auditorium, like the surgery stone center, broken glasses everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere yeah. And then, and then towards the end, you know, Angat told me, he said, you know what? I know I didn't do, but I think I contributed a little bit. I said, you know, I was walking around backstage and I see all these audience like, oh, please let it was quiet. I haven't seen you. So, you know, I opened the door and let a few people in, <laughs> just one or two. So I don't know if they come back and let everyone in or what. <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. I mean, yeah, and, and this went on like yeah. in the middle of the show it happened or yeah, the beginning yeah, of the, the show? In, 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 yeah, in the, yeah, we just started the show. And boom, well, I would say yeah, a couple of songs into Dang. the show and we saw the guards coming up, you know, with guns and stuff. And the prom promoter shows, um, the local promoter, because when we go to a uh, European tour, we have our main promoter and he would sell the show to all these little promoters. We only get pay from him and we only know him. Sometimes when he gets to a city, and the local promoter didn't pay up. He was like, everybody get dressed, but don't go on the stage. So we're like, okay. <laughs> so once he get the money from the local promoter, oh okay, now green light, you can sing, right? <laughs> so after we left, the local promoter said he has a Mercedes. They totally smashed his Mercedes, wow. like two, two bits. Yeah, so. Incredible. See, like all these things, it happens to me. I, I look back, but I never have anything that, like someone cussing at me yeah. or something happened between Anyan and I or, or the people. It was just, it's just actually fun memory, but yeah. it's not something that I like regret, you know, yeah, having. So, yeah. yeah. So you never said anything wrong on stage or, you know, oh, no, yeah, I'm... I've said, uh, I've said uh, no, no, I mean, mistakenly say like names of uh, singers, name of uh, composers loads of times. 
Yeah. No, but I'm talking about making a comment that is like sukfam oh. or offensive. Oh, no. No. Uh, that I've, uh, I've, I've, I've been lucky. Uh, I've, I've never, uh, I don't know if, if other people would take certain comments as being offensive. I don't know. But for myself, I see the role as an MC. This is different. As an MC, I am not up there like a, a, a news reporter or a newscaster or someone who's going to give my opinion on, on something important. As an MC, my job is to always make the person I'm introducing look good. And right. even in, in my questioning, like a lot of time, if they can't answer, it's to come in and help them, you know, with their thoughts. So it's never about putting down whoever I'm standing next to, whether it's my singer or an interviewer. I always have to, if anything, bring them up because that's your job and then have a fun time with the audience. So it's always lighthearted, fun. It's never um, anything serious, you know, it's, it's never anything serious. Yeah. And if it's serious, it's only because the audience take it that way. Yeah. So we know that there are differences between the societies all over the world that Vietnamese communities inhabit. There, have, there has to be a difference in Europe versus United States, United States versus Vietnam. Can you tell me about some of the differences in the public and the way they receive um, the performances or the shows that you have been part of? Oh, yeah. Okay, one thing is that the singers uh, in uh, overseas, I, I feel that they're a lot friendlier towards each other. Like we can work for Twinga, we can work for Asia, but aside from work, like uh, let's say Hương Thuy would throw a party at her house, everyone would come, you know, and uh, we're like uh, exactly like the term là, Everyone is a family. We're not despite, so there's no competition there. You know what I mean? Right. And we, we compete, but of course you try to do your best. But let's say as an MC, I hang out with the Yang Ngọc or now Ngọc Hân, like Jake. So we all, and it's never all because Yang Ngọc and now he's with, you know, we're all very friendly. Whereas I noticed that in Vietnam, I'm talking about Jamnuk because, uh, you know, Europe and Australia is also like overseas too. You would say not, not only from the singers, like let's say the top, the top tier singers, some of them would say, oh, oh, that, that singer would never go on stage with that singer. And you see it down to that, that makeup artist. They're all like that makeup artist, you know? And there is, there's a conflict. But here's the thing. It's not their fault. It's the society that they they live and work in. When those same singers come to America, oh, they're friendly. They're sitting together, drinking and doing show and, and having no problem. So why? Because in Vietnam, we have the paparazzi for celebrities. Mm. So like, like the In Touch, like the People magazine here. So to create news and online news. So for example, Diva A is singing on a show with Diva B. The next morning, the headline would say, oh, Diva B totally, you know, outside Diva A, or, oh, Diva right. A has a prettier dress, and look at the way Diva B is dressing, blah, blah, blah. So they go on, and let's say uh, on a Facebook, uh, a lot of us, uh, we either do it ourselves, or we have um, managers and stuff who would like 
uh, repost that those articles right for our, on our fan right. page and then the fan of diva a would come in start cussing out this thing that this newspaper wrote about diva b being better it's not even diva b saying that it's cussing and then the fan of diva b comes and then after a while diva a and diva b they don't want to talk to each other and they would do i've heard like really rude things so for example uh two divas would be on the television show together right so um diva a would have her audience sit in a position where everyone can see so but when diva b comes out and the the camera's panning all of divas a's fan to show their you know they Allegiance. would be looking down here and and and, and not purposely God. not looking at diva b and just show an attitude and of course diva b's fans go so therefore why would diva b want to like have lunch or sit and talk with diva a so it's the whole thing that that draws people it pulls people apart and it pulls that base on always writing articles about differences about if they would hear you know we all gossip you know celebrities i could be sitting here yeah gossiping or saying something bad you know uh, or something about a, a a person and i i i admit i've been guilty of doing that but my conversation might be just to a friend that that i heard now in vietnam somehow that trend or somehow the news would leak out to a newspaper oh i heard you know uh, number a you know in a private conversation you know would say this and this and, that, and then boom, 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 there we go again because it's the scandal it's all these things that that gets quick it, it you and then you you don't blame them either right if you say oh you know diva a diva b so sweet to them they're going out to lunch and da, da, da. nobody wants to read that thing so they have to think of the headline have to be something that is provocative scandalous for people to click on and there's they're constantly looking for stories like that so therefore the 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 celebrity and the singers just kind of keep to themselves here overseas we don't have that kind of we, we don't have a fan club and we have a lot of fans and stuff, right but not not a fan club who would like do everything for you um and we don't have celebrity magazines so yeah you know that that was the same problem that got really out of hand in the 90s with uh east coast west coast rappers and people mm, killed each other yeah the promoters of these like vibe the vibe or the source were two newspaper uh magazines and they wrote mm. things that were sort of bending the truth about rappers and you know a lot of the rappers mm. came from gang backgrounds right they ended right, up right. killing each other quite wow. a bit but it's sold mm. newspaper it sold magazines it sold stories and most importantly it sold albums so I yeah think yeah sort of like the the same thing that we do um on a very visceral on a guttural level we we have an allegiance to certain but that's sort of like the in Vietnam there are managers and agents who would purposely create right. a scandal like um there was this movie i think last year a couple of years ago they purposely create a scandal whereas the two lead role uh would have a romantic interest in each other well uh, i believe that uh, they have partners already or something like that so the audience boycotted the the movie because you know they they had loved to see these um uh, actor and actresses already have their happy family or something you know and and the movie lost so much money mm. that actually the pro producer of the movie are thinking i don't know if they did at the time they were talk of suing the manager and the agents 
of the different um, actors of coming up with these things, which is not even true. True. So yeah, you wow. see, that they think that we'll sell tickets and stuff, but sometimes it backfires. So there's a lot, a lot of those things going on, which we don't have here uh, overseas. So yeah, kabu got you right. It's it's yeah, uh, it's yeah. a good and a good and a bad thing. Yeah. Why don't we have that sort of uh, fan clubs or that those kind of publications for Vietnamese uh, America or diaspora people around the globe to to follow? Or has there been uh, a publication like that before? I think just because we don't have uh, enough people to make it worthwhile. You know, I mean, you look at some of the Vietnamese newspaper here. Uh, you know that the staff is very limited. A lot of times, I would say, ninety percent of the time, it's a translation of, uh, you know, uh, router news or whatever. Right. But we actually, you asked me, do we have legitimate uh, newspaper reporter? I think very few. And those uh, those people who make a living as full time reporter, they're going to report on the. The more important issues, right, of the day, right. issues that's got to do with I don't know, with Vietnam, with politics, with this and that. Um, who has the time to go see what Zwin is wearing today, you know, or you know? So yeah, just we just don't have the number or, or the reporters to do that. So, what do you envision um, as sort of the bridge or the next step for your uh, your work life? Because I've started uh, a few uh, episodes on my YouTube, um, things about relationships, about things that I've learned, struggling, going through myself, whether it's about relationships, about things that I felt so much happier since I've learned like meditation, like eating right. Um, I would like to share more of those. And it's not something that I came up with myself. It's just researching from reading other people who are real experts, but Maybe uh, those books aren't uh, available in, in Vietnamese, or maybe it is, but no one has the time to sit through and read it. So I'm reading it, I'm distilling it, I'm uh, taking the core, the meaning, the things that I've gone through and it helped me to explain it. So I'm hoping to do more of that because I think that you change, you cannot change, you can, but only to a certain extent of, people's physical reality. I mean, you can do a lot of charity, you can give them a piece of bread, whatever. But to find true happiness, you have to change people's mind. You can be a billionaire, but if you think that I'm, I'm sad, then you're going to be sad. You can have nothing, but if you think you're happy and content, you will be content. So I think um, as my second step, I would like to share what I've learned and what it has helped me. And if it helped you too, then I think a little bit, I think if you feel happy on the inside, then you will have that love to give out. And, you know, everyone affects everyone. And hopefully, you know, who knows what is like a pebble in the pond, right? Yes. Yeah. It sounds very similar to uh, Oprah, that trajectory, mm. that path oh, yeah. is Oprah's, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, my of, hero and my heroine yeah yeah i i love her yeah, yeah. right now i have uh, on on my facebook uh, page uh, three million um uh, people following me so i think that yeah if i can any any subject you know whether it's what they're just listening to us and realizing that when a man raises his voice yelling a woman take it as an act of violence 
if they realize that and say no. And later on, maybe I'll talk about the tools that you can use so that you don't have to yell. Um, if, if things like that happen uh, and it, it, it um, lessen the domestic violence in the home, just imagine another generation of kids that's going to come out from that happy home and how that would affect you know, the world. So I, I think that I'm blessed enough and I'm lucky enough to be given this platform um, and I want to use it for something constructive. Well, as you're developing that um, throughout the next year or a few years, I'd love to uh, bring you back on to discuss, mm -hmm. um, you know, how that's going and really get into it because that's something that I'm very interested in, in the way you're going to develop it. And I want to hear about how you um, approach that platform um, because I think it is changing. It will change and transform society in Vietnam for the mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Yes, especially in Vietnam. I'm, I'm all about women's um, you know, women's right, women's live. And I, I wouldn't even say now woman's right. It's woman's worth. You know, it's right. it's how yeah, how worthy you feel. Yeah. And I, yeah. I hope to improve that, uh, especially for Vietnam. And that's a beautiful way to to reframe that narrative. Mm. Um right. Yeah, the worth. And that's yeah. Yeah, because when you said woman's right, it, it seems to me like you're demanding something. It's almost antagonistic. Like, like it's, it's, it, it's out there. That's mine. It's my right. Yeah. But you don't have to. But you say, hey, you know what? I'm worth it. And because I'm worth it, I love myself enough. I'm not going to put up with that. You know, and then it seems nicer. You're not taking anything from anyone. You're just elevating your status. Yeah, I think. yeah. these are beautiful topics. You, I want to thank you uh, so much for today. Um, we are or going to move into the Vietnamese um, segment. So I'm going to say bye right now. Okay. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on. And hopefully we can do this again very soon. All right. I hope my English is okay. I haven't spoken this long in English. It's such a long time. So. You you have been amazing. <laughs> you're, that's now being so modest, but you're amazing. I, I really um, enjoyed this and, and really got to really hear you articulate a lot of your thoughts and i'm sure that a lot of people my generation didn't has not had a chance to hear you speak this um eloquent this in english, english. <laughs> and i mean we all know uh, what a master you are in vietnamese but i mean to hear this side is i really am honored and thank you so much all right thank you bye okay, bye, bye audience <laughs> bye G. thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth win the vietnamese is produced by Brittany tran Special thanks to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.